morning, Bucknutters. Welcome to the Bucknuts Morning 5 here on Wednesday, April 17th, 2019. I am Dave Biddle. Very happy to be joined by the people's champ, Matt Baxendale. Bax, we'll start off with Justin Fields, the number one topic in Buckeye Nation right now. ESPN is writing front-page stories about him and uh, how Buckeye fans should be concerned. Um, I mean, it's 13 passes in a spring game. Um, I think most people are basing their judgment off of that. Your impressions of Justin Fields, just what are your thoughts uh, about Justin Fields? And, you know, do you think he'll do a good job as Ohio State starting quarterback this year if he is the starter? Yeah, I think people need to chill out. Oh, my God, like, relax. Uh, my my thought process coming out of the spring game was I was more concerned about Matt Baldwin than I was Justin Fields, to be completely honest. Um, I think we saw Fields, who, again, wasn't allowed to freely run, but showed a ton of athleticism in the run game, and he clearly had a live arm. He didn't start well. Yes, it was kind of a sloppy performance. Yes. He also made a couple very nice, accurate passes on back-to-back touchdown drives. Uh, you know, that Benjamin Victor long touchdown pass that everybody's like, well, they won't do that in the game. Have you seen Ryan Day? He will, of course, do that if he has the opportunity to throw the ball. And it was an accurate throw. And he had a couple other plays in the first drive, or the drive before that that were very nice passes. I know it wasn't perfect. Guess what? He's been here three months. He's just building a report with these guys. And if people think he's going to be Dwayne Haskins right away, you're in for a rude surprise. But he's going to be very good. He may be the best quarterback in the Big Ten when it's all said and done. But this is a guy who's, again, been here for three months. And... His, his feet are going to be more of a difference for him than I think most people realize. Um, but he shows the ability to throw enough that he's going to keep defenses honest. And his passing is only going to improve the longer he's here and the more time he has under Ryan Day. Again, I was more concerned seeing Matt Baldwin because we heard he was super accurate and had a big arm and made good decisions. And honestly, he threw into traffic a lot. He threw high a lot. Um, I, I'm more concerned if Fields gets hurt that Baldwin's going to be in. He's got a lot more development to do. Uh, I was much more concerned about the backup quarterback than the starting quarterback coming out of spring football. Yeah, that leads into my next question. I think I know the answer. So, like, you know, we asked Ryan Day after the spring game, is, is there any separation going into the summer? He still is not ready to make that proclamation. But, I mean, safe to say, he knows Justin Fields is his quarterback. Is that is that how you're looking at it? Yeah. I, I, I said earlier in the spring that, you know, I thought it was going to be a real competition, and I probably think we had a real competition behind the scenes. But when we got to the spring game, look, Fields didn't do great, but Fields showed way more than Baldwin. Um, you know, Baldwin could have been picked off a couple more times. He had a couple passes he missed wide-open guys on. Um, he looked a little jittery in front of the crowd. I think Fields was just getting his rhythm and figuring things out. And, by the way, he is the fallback of he's really fast and can pick up 20 yards on a scramble if need be. We don't have that with Baldwin. So, uh, right now, I, I think Fields is clearly the guy. And, you know, you may not get a formal announcement from Ryan Day until some point during fall camp, because he's going to want to continue the whole competition charade um, and kind of continue to make Fields, quote, earn it. But uh, it was very telling when Justin Fields had his black stripe off very early in spring football, He and he's the better quarterback right now. You know, I'm not writing off Baldwin as a guy who could potentially follow him as the starter, but I think Justin Fields is starting this fall. I don't really have any doubt of that point. Yep, I'm with you 100%. Um, switching gears, you know, guys that are, you know, one of the guys I think is – Really on the come up, Jalen Gill, redshirted last year because of injury. Um, I mean, he's at least going to be in the rotation at H-back this year. He was heavily used in the spring game. Coaches like him, they've been talking about all spring. Um, let's talk about Jalen Gill a little bit. I, I, I like what he can bring to this team as far as his explosion, his playmaking ability. Again, a guy he's not going to be a guy that's going to like lead this team in like all-purpose yards or anything like that, but he can be a dangerous weapon for this team this year. 
you know, I put this in the bucket last Sunday. Ohio State has so many weapons that you have to wonder who's going to get lost in the shuffle. And, uh, you know, you could legitimately talk about 10 different pass catchers at this point on this team that could be real weapons this year for the Buckeyes. Uh, that doesn't even include the discussion of saying, hey, they're really focusing on the tight ends. And God knows we've all heard that before at Ohio State, that the tight ends are going to be a part of the offense. They swear. But, you know, if that's a factor, guess what? you got Luke Farrell and you got Jeremy Rucker to include there as well. So I'm interested to see how it plays out with Gill. He's certainly an athletic guy. Looks like he has a very bright future. But we really didn't see DeMario McCall healthy most of the spring. And when healthy, is run DMC ahead of Gill? From what I saw of run DMC last year versus Gill in the spring game, I'm playing McCall. So I think Gill is certainly going to be an explosive player. You may see him have a big cup player two or three this year for sure, but are we so certain he's going to be on the field enough to really make an impact? I think he has a lot more work to do to get himself in that position. Yeah, but, I mean, McCall's just a running back now. They're not playing him at age. I mean, it's they're, – they're, I mean, <laughs> looks like Gill – Do you really believe that, though? Back at page. Yeah, because he's not in the wide receiver room at all. He's not with Hartline. Gill is with Hartline. Mm-hmm. McCall is just, is just with Alford. Yeah, but you're telling me that we're only going to run out with Mario McCall out of the backfield anymore when he's done it for a couple years. I, I just – I have trouble seeing them not use his versatility. And I know they're trying to give Gill that extra set of reps – McCall spent most of the last couple of years in the wideout room. He spent part time in the running back room. So yeah, they're going to have McCall in the backfield some. But when you got Teague and you got you got Crowley, who had a great game too, opposite J.K. Dobbins, you tell me the McCall is going to get lost in the shuffle that way. I just there, there's a lot of guys is the problem. I guess is my point here, right? And I'm not saying Jalen Gill won't have his moments or even potentially earn more playing time. I just think there's a lot of hurdles to get past. You know what I mean? There's a lot of really talented guys. And a lot of them have more experience than Gill. So, you know, it's one of those situations where I can absolutely see him getting a ton of hype leading up to the season, and then we just don't see a lot of them just because of sheer numbers. And then maybe the year after is whenever he ends up breaking out. We've seen this with a lot of young Buckeye, you know, pass catchers and playmakers in the past. that we're like, oh, it's going to be their year this year. And then poof. We might need Alpha Buckeye to call out Jalen Gill because that worked out pretty good uh, going into Jalen Gill's senior season. <laughs> I, I think we got to be careful what we do with Alpha. That's like you know pointing a nuclear weapon and just shooting. He, he somehow motivated him. I, I mean, even Jalen Gill even mentioned it on Twitter, which is so funny. And Alpha still uses that as his badge of honor. If Alpha misses you know the what? show, then that's that's on him because we just gave him a shout out. This reminds me when Jalen Marshall got the stiff star taken away by the 24-7 guys, and he just threw a fit about it. He was mad the rest of his college career. <laughs> it was like a motivation tactic for him to say he wasn't a five-star guy. Yeah, right, take this. So, you know, hey, I love it when these guys have a chip on their shoulder. Honestly, uh, the, the great athletes find a way to feel like they're disrespected, even though they're, like, held up in acclaim because of what they can do. So, I like that about Gill. That's one of those reasons I think Gill is going to be a player here before it's all said and done. I love it when guys find a way to feel slighted, even though there really isn't a ton of it there. Yeah, he's got that He's got that dog in him, and he's explosive. I, I like the kid. Um, hey, let's look at the other side of the ball. Middle linebacker was so intriguing to me, Bax. Um, you know, Tough Boylan didn't play in the spring game. Really missed most of spring. Nothing to do with the Achilles. This time it was a right knee injury. And uh, maybe it's more serious than they're letting on. I don't know. I mean, Joshua Perry talked about it on his podcast 
the other day, and, uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't sound like anything that needs surgery, but it also doesn't sound like it was just like a minor, you know, knee sprain or anything. It sounds like it was, you know, at least semi-major. Um, and then, you know, I feel like Taraja Mitchell is the best option there. But there's still, you know, Baron Browning it was the starter there with Tough Borland out. So they got three guys there with Tough Borland, Baron Browning, Taraja Mitchell. Man, I'm just, you know, just because I feel like he's got the highest ceiling, it's nothing against the other guys. I, I'm kind of rooting for Taraja Mitchell here because I feel like that would be best for the Buckeyes. What do you think will happen? What do you think should happen? Just kind of break that down for me. I agree with you on Mitchell. I saw him on the field, and there was like a different feeling watching him out there. It was like, oh, that guy's going to light you up, and he can catch you. It was one of those feelings of that's what a middle linebacker is supposed to look like after the last season. And, again, I think Browning's miscast as a middle linebacker. I do. I think he's the kind of guy where, you know, he can be a rush outside backer. He's the kind of guy who can put his, pin his ears back and go after the quarterback very well. But this whole read and react thing, I, I wonder if that's not where he's best suited. And there were multiple times in the spring game where Mitchell was reacting to passes. He was getting into lanes. You could see him just reading the play and going. He looked like a starting middle linebacker to me. And obviously the kid's an athletic freak. He's one of the top recruits in the country from when he came to OSU. I, I don't know what should happen because I'm not the guy watching these guys on a daily basis. A guy like Mitchell could be uber talented and not know how to prepare properly yet being a young guy. I don't know. But to me, he seemed like the guy who clearly has the highest ceiling. And after what we've seen from Browning and Borland, I don't know if there's a reason not to put him in because I think we know what Tuff's ceiling is. And with Tuff's injury situation, I mean, he keeps coming down with these semi-big injuries that nag with him. Uh, you know, I had this conversation with somebody else the other day, and I was thinking, if he keeps getting hurt, he's starting to enter Mike D'Andrea territory. You know, a guy who has a lot of hype but kept getting hurt, kept getting hurt, never was really able to do it, and never really was healthy when he's on the field. Tuff's got to get healthy if we're going to talk about Tuff playing, especially when you have guys behind him like Mitchell, who probably won't be behind him much longer. Last thing, uh, offensive line is still a big question. I, I, I'm not too concerned about it, but there's still it's intriguing because Jonah Jackson's not even here yet. Thayer Mumford missed spring. That's 40% of the projected starting offensive line right there on the entire left side. Josh Myers had a great spring. That's huge. I'm so happy about that. I mean, they got the center solidified. I feel like it's the most important position on the offensive line, no doubt about it. And, um, you know, I like Wyatt Davis at right guard. I like Brandon Bowen. I love hearing Nicholas Pettit-Ferreros coming on. I would not be shocked, and this is nothing against Wyatt Davis backs, I would not be shocked if someone told me, you know, the starting offensive line is going to end up being from left to right, Thayer Munford, uh, Jonah Jackson, Josh Myers, Brandon Bowen, Nicholas Pettit-Ferrer. And, but, you know, I, but also, well, it won't surprise me if Pettit-Ferrer is the sixth man and Wyatt Davis is in there at right guard and Brandon Bowen's at right tackle. Plus, they got Joshua Allaby, they got Harry Miller coming in. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's interesting looking at this O-line. I think they could, uh, they could carve out this O-line and it could be a strength before they're all said and done. Dude, I have not been worried about this O-line all spring. Uh, you just put it in very clear terms. There are players here. This is not a year where we're like, crap, we have three O-linemen. Let's plug in somebody and just pray, right? There's pieces here. There's talent here. Like, uh, Joshua Lobby is like a borderline afterthought right now, right? When he played last year, he was good. Like, it wasn't, hold on to your butts, the lobby's on the field. He came on the field and played well when Munford was hurt multiple times. So 
You know, looking at this line, I, I agree with you. I, I think Munford obviously is going to start at left tackle, assuming he's healthy. Uh, I think the staff expects Jackson to come in, and you know, there's there's there that that keyword expects there because you remember a couple of years ago, I think it was the year OSU won the national championship. They brought in the kid from Alabama who was the Alabama center who got passed in their lineup halfway through the year, and everybody thought he was going to start. And then he kind of just didn't do much because he wasn't training with a football team yes, for a couple months. Lin- Lindsay was his last name. Lindsay. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Like Ryan Lindsay, was that it? Yeah. I think that was yes. it. Yeah. And so he's the cautionary tale, you know. And there, there's a throwback there. Nobody's mentioned him recently, huh? But like, there, there's your cautionary tale of transfer alignment, right? We think Jackson's going to come in and be a beast. Obviously, he was very good at Rutgers, but he's not spent the past couple months training with a football team, training as a uh, part of a unit, right? He's not here, correct me if I'm wrong, until the summer. So they don't know for sure what they have with him. And if he's let his training slack at all, that spot is not guaranteed. So he's still a question mark, even though we think he's going to start. The real certainty at this point is that Josh Myers is going to start at center. That is your only true certainty. There's a lot of moving parts around him because I agree with you. Brandon Bowen could start at guard or tackle. I think the staff likes the idea of him starting. I think he's worked really hard to get himself back to where he is, and I, I, I think he's going to be on the field. I wouldn't be surprised one bit if he was on the field. At the same time, you've got Wyatt Davis, you've got NPF, and, again, you've got a lobby. You have a lot of pieces of this line that I think are going to eventually create a very good unit. However that shakes out, we'll see. By the way, I just looked this up. It's like we were, but I, Chad. I don't know why I agreed with you. It's Chad Lindsay was his name. <laughs> Chad Lindsay. What's so funny about okay. this is like I. I mean, we all got to think back to that. I mean, it was five years ago to the day, uh, or you know, just around this time. We're all thinking, okay, you know, Justin Boren, um, or excuse me, um, it would have been Jacoby Boren. Jacoby yeah. Boren. He's not ready. He's not ready to be the center. Maybe Billy Price is. You know, we'll see what happens. Because if you remember, I mean, Jacoby Boren and Billy Price. They they really you know they both took first team reps at center throughout that 2014 spring and um, you know we're thinking Braxton Miller is going to be the quarterback you know he's sitting out spring but he's going to be okay you know even though that that shoulder got shattered by Dick Beasley <laughs> in the Orange Bowl he's going to be okay it's funny thinking back to that so I remember thinking Chad Lindsay when he transferred in I'm thinking okay oh, this is this is going to be good first of all he wouldn't be transferring unless he knew he was going to be the starter um, they must have told him something and I also remember thinking it's going to be weird because we just had Corey Lindsley and now we're going from Lindsley the center who's doing a yeah, he's making tons of money in the NFL now. I could not be happier for Corey Lindsley um, to Chad Lindsay. And Lindsay leaves before the season even begins because Jacoby Boren beat him out. And what a cool story because that team ends up winning the national championship. But it's funny thinking back to stuff like that, man. Yeah, it's one of those things, folks. you got to listen to Bucknuts because we remember that crap. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's one of those things, though. It's a cautionary tale. Well, like you and I, it was guns to our head, we expect Jonah Jackson to start, no question. But what's he doing right now? You know, we're going to have to wait to see when he gets to campus. So, and you're right. that, that So many things fell into place that 2014 year, if you really think about it. Like, it's absolutely mind-boggling that your starting quarterback ended up not playing a single snap. Uh, your backup quarterback, who who was your third stringer until, like, the week before Braxton got hurt, ended up playing most of the year being a top-five Heisman guy, then breaking his leg. And so your third-string guy, who was most famous for tweeting about he ain't come here to do to, to learn, to do, to, he came here for football. He didn't come here to do school, right? 
you know? And that guy goes out and has the greatest – he didn't come here to play school. He comes out, and that guy is the one who goes on the greatest three-game run in Ohio State history at quarterback. I mean, 59 to nothing over Wisconsin. You had to be there to just uh, – it was absolutely mind-boggling watching that game. I, I, I still can't get over that. I remember looking around the crowd at halftime like, what the hell just happened? It is, it, it was, going to that game, we were asking Wisconsin fans not to beat us up too bad. And then they look at us like, why the hell hasn't that guy been playing? You know, it was uh, one of those years that just, even with the championship, you know, so much crazy stuff happened that nobody could have predicted. And, you know, that, that, that Chad Lindsay, 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 whatever his name was, story, it's just one of those little things that you almost forget about in a crazy year. You should have told the Wisconsin fans, looking into the future, don't worry, it won't be the only time that a quarterback that should be starting is not um, at Ohio State don't get because it. of the presence. Oh, no, don't, 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 don't bring that up, Dave. Don't bring it up, Dave. There's certain don't people are going to get the, mad at us for being honest. Uh-uh. Don't, don't bring up the obvious that Dwayne Haskins should have been Ohio State starting quarterback in 2017. And people act like they're like, well, he wasn't ready because we, we didn't see him until 2018. Like the Michigan game didn't happen in 2017. The Michigan yeah, game he didn't like, win the I'm Michigan sure, game. I'm pretty sure the Michigan game happened in 2017. And I, who, who was that quarterback that came in and saved the day? Oh, it was Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. It was Dwayne Haskins. Yeah. It was, it was him. So, yeah. Um, and, and JT Barrett was a really good college quarterback. It just happened to be that uh, uh, I think probably, you know, I, I didn't have a problem with it in 2014. We didn't see it till the postseason, but I'm still of the opinion that Ohio State does not win the national championship if Cardale Jones is not the quarterback for those three games. That doesn't mean that they would have been as good as they would have in the regular season with Cardale, but in the regular, in the postseason, particularly against Alabama, there was a lot of third and longs where Cardale bailed them out, and receivers made good plays too. But go back and watch that game. Jalen Marshall, everybody looks at the one play that, you know, Evan Spencer threw the ball and, you know, the little the trick play to Michael Thomas. There were other big plays Michael Thomas made on third down, clutch plays that kind of get lost in the shuffle. Jalen Marshall, um, do you agree? Do you think Ohio – I don't think Ohio State would have won the national championship if uh, JT was in there instead of Cardale. I'll do you one better. First of all, I completely agree that JT does not beat Alabama. Those receivers look good because the ball was thrown hard and accurately to them. It wasn't behind him. It wasn't them waiting for it. That's just the truth. But I'll, I'll go further. If Urban had made his damn mind up and started Cardell Jones in 2015 and actually ran an offense that ran to Cardell Jones' strength, Ohio State would have repeated. Period. But JT Barrett was, you know, Urban felt bad for JT, and Urban didn't switch his offense because he thought he could just have Cardell run whatever. And Cardell was always looking over his shoulder. He was trying to run a read option offense, which he was not suited for. And you want to know why that offense didn't go very well? Because they didn't tailor it to the strengths of the quarterback who was going to win him another national championship. Otherwise, we would have repeated with Cardell Jones at quarterback that year. Bottom line is, you want to know the big difference? And I love Urban. I've said this repeatedly. He's the, greatest, he's the new standard for Ohio State. The difference for why Urban Meyer was not the best coach in college football when he left Ohio State was that unlike Davos Swinney and unlike Nick Saban, he did not have the – cojones, if you will, to move off of his veteran quarterback and go to the better player. And that benefiting one to the detriment of 104 other kids is why Ohio State only won one national championship. And hey, I love Urban. He's fantastic. But that's the truth as well. We had to call a spade a spade, right? The spade is, Urban could have dug up another championship or two if he had played the better quarterback multiple times in his career. 
I love Urban too, and I would not. Uh, I mean, gosh, I mean, seven years of what he did with his winning percentage, seven and zero against Michigan, national championship. The guy's a legend, and just based on what he did at Ohio State, I mean, obviously throughout his career, he is one of the all-time legends in college football. But yes, I agree with you. I mean, that is going to be the one thing that's like, oh man. I mean. Still, I mean, it's so hard to win a national championship. So you're there for seven years, you win one. That's really, really, really good. Anything else is, Mm -hmm. you know, that's really house money. Anything else on that, it's like being greedy. But I'm with you, though. I feel like they did leave one on the table one of those two years. 2015, they were like a, geez, they were like a future NFL All-Star team. And then 2017 frustrates me, too, going back to that with Dwayne Haskins, I'm not buying this. I know they, they've said it. They keep saying it. Even Dwayne will tell you. I don't know if Dwayne would tell us that he wasn't ready in 2017 because we saw him out there. And, you know, I, I feel like they could have they could have seriously made a run at in 2017 as well if Dwayne was a quarterback. But uh, you're right, man. We're going to get in trouble. People are going to hear us talking about, about the, the Dwayne Haskins and oh, the J.T. Yeah. Barrett and the Cardell Jones conversation, and people are going to be hating on it. But, hey, man, this is just real talk. This is our – You know what, Dave? Just our hey, opinion. go back and watch the Cotton Bowl. Go back and watch the damn Cotton Bowl if you want to argue with me. I've never been more excited for a quarterback to graduate watching the second half of that Cotton Bowl, where Ohio State's defense again and again took over the fact that JT three and outed the whole time. JT Barrett, I love the kid. I love that he's got a spot in the NFL as like you know Drew Brees' study buddy. I mean, but the the truth is JT wasn't the best quarterback on the roster multiple years when Urban played him, and there's there's. Just no ifs, ands, or buts about it. The guy was a legendary player. He was a winner and all that. And we have to appreciate all that other fun stuff. But, you know, guess what? Ohio State didn't make two playoffs because Urban chose the wrong quarterback. And the one that they won the national championship, Urban didn't have a choice in quarterback. It was his third choice in quarterback that won it. So, you know, for all of Urban's accomplishments, and again, he's freaking amazing. He had one real bad stretch at Ohio State picking the right quarterback. And, you know, that's just how it's panned out, unfortunately. And, again, we, we, we sound like, you know, greedy jerkbags because only one national championship, only every win against Michigan, right? But, you know, when you look at it and you, you see the level of excellence that was there, it feels like a lot of missed opportunities. 2015 will go down with t- 2005 as the two greatest missed opportunities of the 20th century for Ohio State. And both of them had a lot to do with a quarterback battle that wasn't just decided it was trying to make everybody happy and you know that's the truth you pick a damn quarterback and you play him we went a lot deeper than i intended but this is a great discussion uh really appreciate the insights of the people's champ matt baxendale appreciate it bax and thank you all listeners out there for tuning in the show i appreciate that as well hope everyone has a great day let's hear that buckeye swag best damn band in land (laughs) 